This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. On today's episode, we have a 24-year-old kid who's built a $10 million a year business productizing content creation using ChatGPT. And we're also covering a 24-year-old founder who's raised $35 million to disrupt how Americans access their 401k. Hey everybody, this is episode 15 of the Our Future podcast. I'm your host, Simran Sandhu, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Sakan. We're two guys in our early 20s who sold our media company to a major media conglomerate, and now we give you the tactics that young entrepreneurs are using to win in business. The next entrepreneur we're covering is Ani Rood Singla. This guy was 17 years old in India when he realized there was a massive opportunity for every company to become a content company to help lower their cost of acquisition and just become more effective marketers. So he actually got his start on Upwork. So here he is, a teenager again in India. There's a big services economy there for American companies overseas and for companies in India and around the world. And he had like always had a good knowledge of writing. So uh, that was the service he was pitching himself on, on these platforms like Upwork and Fiverr to say, hey, let me help your company write articles on various topics so you can rank on SEO and then drive some uh, organic customer inbound, right? Um, and he's he's doing this over and over again. And then he decides to take it a step further, which is, okay, well, I can't physically write every article. Let me kind of create an arbitrage here, an agency where I will develop the relationships with, with companies and then I'll pair them with ex- subject matter experts, writers. Now his platform, which is called Pepper, is doing $10 million of annual recurring revenue. It's a software company that's essentially productized the process of companies writing articles and ranking for SEO through organic traffic. And it's pretty impressive what this kid's built, an end-to-end platform uh, for content creation, specifically in the blogging space right now, but expanding to more types of content here in the future. And AI has been a big part of it, and uh, it's it's an awesome story. Yeah, I think he has a really strong thesis. Every company is going to be a media company. And I know when you hear that, it's probably like one of those things where it's like, okay, you're just shilling your own book. Clearly you have an agenda, but it's true, right? Like how much do these consumer facing companies spend in marketing on a yearly basis? How much do all of these software companies spend on a marketing basis? What we've realized at this point is that 
it's best if you can own your own distribution. I mean, that's something you and I learned building our future. That's something that regardless of what industry you're in, if you can start thinking about that early and proactively, you're just going to put yourself in a better spot for the future. So that was his guiding thesis. The next part of this is he found an arbitrage, which was um, he could use Indian talent, which was overseas. It's cheaper. He himself understood that really well. I mean, he grew up in India, moved to Mumbai, which is kind of the New York of India, um, and was able to use that pay scale and eventually sell to American companies. So his cost profile is extremely sexy. I'm excited to talk more about that too. Right. And essentially, once he tapped into the American market, you know, he was able to charge much higher rates for yeah. the same kind of content that he was already doing for Indian companies. So he perfected the model in his home country and then just took it to kind of the, the higher margin companies out there. In terms of the, like every company is going to be a content company. Again, like you said, like I think a little bit overplayed, but definitely like a necessity. And when you think about content for B2B companies, right? For the longest time, these companies have lived off of organic search queries and paid search queries, right? So when you want to solve a problem with your business, you're probably going to Google search. Like I would assume that for B2B advertising and customer acquisition, Google search and keywords are by far the largest acquisition source. Like I don't think anyone would refute that, right? It's like, okay, how do a uh, content management system or something, or uh, how do I collaborate with team members on X or Y, right? Like, and immediately you'll get like monday.com, right? So he looked at, okay, B2B companies have this very specific need to not only pay for keywords on Google and advertise on Google, but also to rank organically, right? Because Google, they give a few like sponsored things, right? Like links, it's like a different shade of blue. And then it's the regular content that you'd probably be most likely to get value from. And we've seen lots of companies uh, win at the strategy like HubSpot, where they put out an article like, five best tools to do this or totally how to really create a, relevant content. Yeah, yeah. How to create a social media calendar. And then that get, brings the user to their website and then explore their suite of products. So um, definitely a, a fascinating take. And he did focus on the marketing channel, most relevant for B2B companies, which again have, um, you know, really high cost of customer acquisition and therefore can pay a lot to people who can get them leads. So he definitely built the right kind of content ecosystem for the right profile of company, um, given that his focus is on written content. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, too, where you can find these freelancers on an Upwork or a Fiverr. But there's so many different components that he had to figure out to build this business, his, his company Pepper. Um, because really, when you he describes this business, he describes it as Uber for content. So again, it's connecting these really talented content creators, whether it's across, you know, an ebook, it's use cases, it's, you know, blogs, um, and they're subject matter experts in a very niche technical space. So, you know, what's interesting is that, say you're working with a ghostwriting agency, usually it's very generalized. So you may have the same writer who's also writing for a fintech company, also writing for a healthcare company. And it's like they don't really understand the technicalities of that. So if we can actually take Jim, the social media manager at X specific company and have him write for other companies in that industry, that is so much better than trying to teach some other guy who just knows how to game the algorithm. Yeah, I think they got the subject matter expert thing right. 
Um, they also, I think the, the main value though, is like the platform itself, right? Like yeah. it's end to end. It's Google docs for companies creating organic content. So in his platform, you can pick a type of content. So like blog post, website, copy, whatever it is, you pick it, it templatizes it. It has its own like proprietary version of Google docs. Yeah. Then it comes up with ideas. You can hire your, your freelancer to write the content. Once they write it, you can edit it in the platform. You can invite your team members to look and collaborate on it. And then with one click, you can, uh, for one, check SEO and make sure it's optimized for discovery on the web and then just publish it out to all the different sites and blogs. But I want to mention one thing, which is, don't you think this whole like company's blogging type acquisition strategy is a little bit old now? Like it's not really the main way we think about content. You know, obviously like that was a good strategy for HubSpot, but I feel like it's more or less a thing of the past. Like I think writing on LinkedIn and writing on Twitter and doing short form video and YouTube content is way more what we think about for companies becoming media companies and content companies. I don't think writing blogs and articles is really in vogue anymore. What do you think? I think it's really effective still because maybe you're not searching out blogs specifically, but I think companies have gotten a lot smarter on how they're packaging them and where they're including them. Um, so like, let's take HubSpot, for example. What they do with these blogs now is they're chilling related topics around you know social media or like CRM and sales. And they're just plugging it in the hustle. So if you read the hustle, that newsletter, there's going to be, hey, here's, you know, 10 tips on what you should do in the workplace or whatever. And you click in it and it takes you to a blog they created. So, you know, they, they found different ways to kind of make it cooler. And sometimes it is a value. I've, I've clicked on a few of them where it's like download this template that you can use for your own company and your own employees. And they've actually been pretty useful. I don't think you can just provide garbage out there like it does have to add value or people are just going to stop clicking into them um but maybe they're not proactively searching out blogs so you got to get a little creative on how you're actually getting people to click into them yeah well you know how marketing strategies just kind of ebb and flow over time it's like one day this is hot one day this is the next sometimes you return to an old marketing tactic that people kind of moved away from and then you're like oh my god it still works What's old is new and what's new is old. It's it's one of those things for sure. Yeah, like maybe this article thing is tried and true. And I think the big difference with articles and blogs for companies and probably why he selected the best beachhead for getting into the content ecosystem overall is for one, the analytics on blogs are way better than than a TikTok because again, there's a lot more visibility into data if it's your site. So you're kind of owning the audience there with the article. Um, The next thing is that Again, like it's for B2B, like you can see a purchasing behavior, right? Just like the analytics. So he, again, he picked the right content format. His, his big challenge now is going to be expanding into like other publishing sites and platforms and, and content styles. But in terms of what generates the most revenue in a way that can be productized, the, the blogging system of creating 250 articles for this specific keyword and having someone who knows that industry do it, um, was a great way for him to start. So he now has 2,500 customers in total, 300 of them are paying a a subscription. And when he thinks about pricing, he thinks about, um, you know, essentially just competing with a full-time hire. So like, you know, a hundred grand a year to get someone good. And he's doing, you know, he's charging probably, I would assume 7,500 to 10 grand a month to these clients. And he works with big companies, you know, DoorDash, uh, Amazon, Airbnb. Like it's, it's really impressive. The kind of the roster he's got. Yeah. I saw McKinsey on the website too. Yeah. Yeah. 
But um, you know, he's going to win off of volume, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're going to spend a hundred grand on a marketing person, and they can generate what four to five creative assets a week. We can do five x that, yeah, you know, on yeah. our platform. And if yeah. you think about what any business is looking for from a content st- standpoint, like why are they even working with agencies? It comes down to four things, right? First thing that they're going to look for is they're looking for strategy and advice. What is it that we should do? What is our content strategy? Next is, can you help us actually go create the content? So the content creation process. Okay, great. Once that content is created, what does the distribution look like? What platforms are going to, are we going to be on? What are the analytics? Um, how else can we amplify what it is we're putting out? And then the last piece is how do we measure the ROI? What is the analytics capability? So I think the way he's thinking about it is can I build a full suite platform where I can encompass all four of these vectors or angles to create the, the go-to experience the for ultimate any agency. big business? He's ultimate building agency. the ultimate agency. He wants yes. to put everybody in content agencies out of business, right? Because he can do it with more data. He can do it more seamlessly. He can do it cheaper. And he can give the company more control over everything and make it more transparent. So, you know, what he's done, and we talk about this all the time, agencies, you know, are great first businesses for young people to start, but they're notoriously hard to productize. He actually did it. He, he took a blog writing agency, and many of them exist, and productized it, and has built a $10 million a year company, you know, um, wherein, you know, it's, it's a scalable software. So his vision, again, is an end-to-end software platform that is fully, like, scalable and fully self-service. So you don't need to worry about, you know, as an agency owner, taking in this much spend, doing this margin, whatever. It's just you, the software platform is the agency. And he's made it more connective and I guess relevant through a bunch of AI features. So he showed me a photo of him and Sam Altman like way back. Right. And I guess he was part of that early wave of companies that understood ChatGPT, and he, uh, he and Jasper and Ryder, right. Like they all, yeah, they were one of the tools. first three companies. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how, how different he is from, from Jasper and, and Ryder, I mean, I don't, I think they might just be more broad, just like, you know, coming up with ideas for any kind of written content. He's specifically focused on this marketing strategy of creating articles, ranking SEO and getting organic leads, right? Yeah, I think AI is an accelerant, right? He's found how to tap into that. And from what I've heard, it doesn't seem like Jasper and is a re- Jasper is in a really good spot. I know the CEO just stepped down, they're bringing in someone new and um, you know, I think they were buzzy for a while because they raised like what a hundred mil at a billion dollar valuation. But if you look at what Anurad is doing, um, what's great about it is he's doing ten million in revenue and he's burning maybe thirty to forty k a month. Isn't that crazy? I thought that was wild. I was like, how can these other people afford to compete with him when, you know, like his cost profile is so huge? And yeah, in yeah, this yeah. in this case, the industry metric is also really interesting because the way that you measure cost in this specific industry or how you price it out is you're charging 15 cents per word. That is the industry benchmark. Anurad is charging $2 a word and he's getting away with it because again, he's selling to B2B companies. So I thought that was interesting. Well, did you hear how he slashed it originally and then hiked it back up once he had built like a case studies and a platform? 0.05 cents. That was crazy. Yeah. He said he did it for 0.05 cents and he was he was just grinding every day. Like he moved into his like uncle's basement with his boys and they were just grinding all night. Like they'd sleep for three hours. They were just writing articles, bro. Like there were human typewriters down there. 
um, Mumbai sweatshop vibes. And they quite literally just grinded it out. And once they had enough case studies and content, they realized, well, we can just go to American companies and charge way more, right? And this is what I think is so slick about this cat, right? Thick Indian accent, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like nerdy, kind of chubby looking guy. But like, bro, bro's, bro's a savant. It, it, like, you look at his website, you would not think that's a company based in India. Not for a second. Yeah. The design is phenomenal. The words, they're not a single grammar error, right? Maybe speaks to the fact that it's a writing platform, but it, it looks like a San Francisco-based company, and he is in the U.S. now. But he's got the cost profile behind the scenes, but everything is so rosy on the surface, you know? Totally. It's, uh, it's, yeah. It looks good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I also think when you look at the future of content, a lot of companies are just building these wrappers on top of ChatGPT or it's some AI play. But I do think you're going to need humans and AI. Like, I don't actually believe that just AI solutions are going to work by themselves. I mean, we get pitched on video AI uh, companies all the time, and they're all pretty bad. Like, I wouldn't trade what we have for any of them. But I do think if it's one of those things where perhaps – you know, you're feeding in the first zero to 10% of information where it's like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is what I want it to achieve. The AI helps you take it from 10 to 95%. And then you take it from 95 to 100 and you add in your tweaks and you add in that specialization that can make you different. I think that if companies are just dependent on AI solutions and content by themselves, like you're probably going to get stuck. I don't see a company like that doing well in marketing, especially if everyone's doing that. It's like, how can you add your own flair to it? I think that's still going to be very important. And just to close it up here, one other thing that I admire about Ruth and how he's building this business is it's not a two-year, three-year play for him. I mean, he's been building this business for six years. And when you were talking with him, I get the sense that he's thinking about this in uh, a several decades play. Like he wants to truly build a monster in this industry. And it, you know, when you think about it through that lens, the kind of decisions that you make are gonna be way, way different, right? Just from the time frame. If you're looking at, hey, am I gonna build a business and try to sell it in two to three years? Or am I gonna try and stay for 10 years? I think most people are trying to go to the two to three mark year, year mark, that's what we did. Um, but I think if you look at it from a 10 year lens, you're gonna actually make better strategic decisions. Um, you're going to be much more cognizant about like your health choices, right? You're not gonna pull as many all-nighters because you realize that this is a marathon and not a sprint. And so I think if you find yourself in those moments where maybe it feels like the walls are caving in and you're getting crushed, back out and think kind of in the in the broader perspective, which is, yeah. you know, you don't have to rush. You can think about this as a longer play and give yourself some breathing room because I think yeah. you'll make better decisions because of it. Yeah, I mean, as long as your business isn't going to fail by you not doing something on that day, you can leave it to the next exactly. day. I think that's a trap totally. a lot of people fall into. And, and yeah, I think you're right. When you have that pressure to succeed in a small time window, you're also looking for these these strategies that drive the most growth. And then when those dry up or it's a zero interest or zero interest rate phenomenon or interest rates change, you're shit out of luck. And that's a lot of these, these venture companies now, you know, that's so true. Yeah. Like Like you go down these rabbit holes that you think are going to get you to like the revenue number. That's going to get you the right multiple for your exit. And then that revenue dries up because it was low quality. And that's like 
you were trying to just grab it off the table. Was, you're just, you're going, you, you think that you're building fast and you're going as hard as you can, but really you're just reaching for low hanging fruits that don't have much moat or protection or quality to those business lines. I guess for our next story, someone else who's got a long-term mindset and I think can crush it in their industries. It's a 24-year-old named Sheridan Claiborne. He's co-founded a company called Lentable alongside his co-founder, Mitchell Jones. So they've raised $35 million and it was built around this key insight, which was that most people have a 401k match that their employer is offering, but people aren't actually utilizing it because what they value is the instant liquidity. They want the extra several hundred dollars a month rather than putting that money away into their retirement and letting it compound over the long term. And so he approached it in a really innovative way, which was what if we gave them that instant liquidity? So we give them the share of what their 401k contribution would be. And then we just take a 20% cut on the backside. So something else I really like about Sheridan is he's kind of a born winner. Um, at 15 years old, he built a sneaker bot company, multi-million dollar company, and you know they're selling sneakers, they're selling tickets, scaled it to $20 million in revenue. At that time, you know, he goes to college, he's interning at JP Morgan, at Goldman as a quant, like really technical roles. And that's how he was exposed to the fintech and investing space. And while talking to you know people there, it was there that he realized that even these people in high income jobs weren't using their 401k match. And that was just crazy to him, right? And that's so fair. I honestly didn't realize that the utilization rates were this low. Like this is free money that your employer is giving. So he found a way to tap into that arbitrage and now he's built a really compelling business with tens of thousands of users. Yeah, I mean, Sheridan Child Prodigy, one thing I throw in there is that he was like the youngest person to ever attend Northwestern University, I think at age 15. So really incredible. That's crazy. He was 15 years old. Yeah, pretty insane. But but yeah, just like you said, right, even even high net worth people aren't educated, but but really who's who's really struggling is like the average American, right? Like So that that's yeah. what Lentable targets is the employee working at Walmart who should be contributing to their 401k because Walmart will match all of it. And they can't because they have to put, you know, uh, an extra three meals on the table, you know, or extra, you know, uh, an extra bus, you know, expense or fix my car. Right. So it's like people just can't afford to give up those few extra hundreds of dollars. Like most Americans don't even have $500 for an emergency. So, right. Right. He's solving a, a really, really big problem. And I think the genius behind what he's doing is this exists. Like this is guaranteed to you. You just need to figure out a way to let someone get the short-term benefit and also the long-term benefit, right? And, um, you know, this is a process that's existed for years. The U.S. government wants people to save for retirement. Like, there's a reason these tax-free accounts exist. But it's just, you know, it comes at a, at a cost, right? Preparing for the future always comes at a cost. Um, and he's mitigating that cost pretty uh, heavily, Um for people who can't bear the brunt of it in the short term. I think another genius aspect of this idea is I love when businesses are built around money that a business has to spend. Yeah, yeah. And one example of that is like, what he's doing with employee benefits. If you're a certain size company, you're gonna have to provide these benefits. You're gonna have to spend a certain kind of money, right, for your employees. And so 
if it's already budgeted or allocated for it and you can just tap into that in some capacity, you can build a winner of a company. Another genius strategy I've heard from other agency owners or people who built SaaS style companies is they will literally study the income statement for some of these companies and find out where are their biggest expense sources. And then around that, they will go build a, a business and try to sell. Um, because it's way easier to convince a company when they're already spending money on something and saying, hey, we have a better solution, rather than trying to get them to spend money on something they haven't budgeted or forecasted for. So kind of a genius tactic here, but I love this employee benefits model. So he's found a way to tap into that and offer instant liquidity. Um, so I think it's true, right? Like if I'm a lower income worker and this $300 can make a huge difference for my life, like I'm gonna take that. Like who cares about when I'm 60 years old? Like I have problems today that I need to solve for. Um, so that's the genius in this. Do you wanna talk a little bit more about their business model and how they're making money? Yeah, absolutely. So. What they do is essentially whatever you'd be deducted from your paycheck to make your 401k match, right? They will give you, yeah. right? They'll lend to you every month. And then at the end of the year, um, they take 20% of like the entire 401k amount plus whatever they lent you. Um, and then they also charge a $15 a month subscription or something along those $10 a month subscription to people. So multi-pronged business model, a strong business model, but they have a big challenge in that uh, liquidity around 401ks is massively hard in that you get a tax penalty for withdrawing from the 401k early. So if you do it, if, if you're withdrawing from your 401k at the end of the year to pay out Lend Table, you're taking a tax hit. But the way he describes it is you wouldn't have had that money in the first place anyway. So while it appears exactly. to be a hard, yeah. harsh hit, it's not. Um, but yeah, he's had challenges trying to, you know, really like reap the money back out of the model. But it is a good business model on its head, right? Which is, you know, 20%. And like, I think the genius behind it is like, he can pitch it like, we're taking 20% of what your company gave. So you're giving 5K a year from your, you know, your, your paycheck. Your company's giving 5K. We're taking 20, we're, we're, we're going to take, um, with 20%, that's two grand. We're going to take, you know, two grand of the five grand your company gave. We're not taking from what you gave. So it's just like, it, it's actually insane that one grand of the five grand, yeah, right? If it's 20%. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's literally like insane that companies just double whatever you put in. Like it's, it's a magical like money situation, right? Like I think it's also capped too, right? Like I think it's, they, they will match up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. So it's like six K or whatever that they're going to match up to a year, but yeah, it's free money. Another person who's building a really compelling business around employee benefits is this guy named Justin Maris. So he's the founder of a company called TrueMed, and he's enabling you to take HSA and FSA money that an employer gives you, and it enables you to use that for like health and wellness related transactions. So like buying a Peloton or like health and wellness products. It's a, the same kind of business model, but just in a yeah. different space. And I think that's another like, key tactic or strategy people should take from this is like, if you think this is a cool idea, there's so many different other kinds of benefits that a company is like providing, like go find your arbitrage in this space and go build something around it. Well, like, we were, yeah, we were ideating, yeah. even me and you were ideating in the space just a, a few days or weeks ago, right? Talking about yeah. because this is already earmarked, it's so much easier to manage for companies. So uh, I think, you know, a lot of people, there's just too much out there. Like you, there's a lot of options and there's a lot of shit your company gives you, but it's like, 
it requires education and effort to actually tap into them. And I think whenever you can let something run on autopilot for people, help them save money, help them have a better life, somehow do the hard work of, of you know, helping them understand their benefits and like, you're going to have a winner, right? Uh, it takes a lot of energy to just to figure out what your company's benefits are and learn each thing and read the policies, right? So a lot of value in that too for one, the consumer. One thing that wasn't, yeah, one thing that wasn't clear to me and perhaps you would know the answer to is do you know if they're marketing this to the employees of the company or if they're going to the companies themselves it's it's mainly um, direct, offering this option it's mainly direct to consumer and the, my hunch is they haven't been able to do b2b because um it's very difficult to to get relationships and there's probably competitors of some kind in the space right um right. so it's mainly been direct to consumer like they've literally used instagram like one growth tactic they talked about was they just walked into a walmart and tried to sign up like people <laughs> like you know yo what's up like get on my 401k plan like <laughs> it's kind of a strange cold open to be honest um you know it's also tough too because there's so much education that's missing around this i think uh, probably a lot of their investor pushback was around the fact like hey it's not that people don't want to like use this uh employer match it's just that they don't really know that it's even an option and so that's what they had to disprove is like no they know it's an option it's just that the liquidity is the bigger issue it's like even if they know it's a it's a, a benefit offered to them, like they have other pressing needs and like their their life is better spent or their life is better suited if they can just get the few extra hundred bucks up front. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also a big challenge you talked about with like people who bounce around different service jobs, like they leave a, yeah. behind 401ks. There's this huge market of like unclaimed 401ks that are just sitting there. Um, it's like gift cards, right? Like they're valid, but like you don't use them. It's like breakage, right? So he also has a tool to go and trace back an employer's employee's history and figure out where their money is and try and tie it back up all together in one. Um, I think that's a big issue. Like, I mean, are you able to still access your Lily 401k? Yeah, I had to like jump through a bunch of hoops yeah. to get it. I mean, I knew I had one. Um, and did you like, transfer it? To... Did you transfer it to the system Morning Brew uses now? No, I, I transferred it to like a SoFi account. So a it's SoFi like, account. I, so I now was you able have to recover the funds. You have two 401k exactly. accounts. You were able yeah, to recover the funds and then yeah. it's still treated like a 401k. Like you still get a tax penalty if you access it at a certain date, whatever. So, so the, 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 that's correct. So when you, I'm just not actively contributing to it. When you, yeah, because you can't, right? Like when you move jobs, essentially the corporate jobs, you have to close, you have to essentially leave behind the other 401k and you can still claim it but that's just going to be a separate account now. So you're not going to see it all in one unified platform. You know, one smart business idea, right? Like I probably exists, but like for someone who's worked at, most people work at a company for one, one, two, three years and leave, especially in the corporate world, like, you know, white collar jobs. Dude, people are leaving like crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the so, length or the duration they stay at these companies, it can't be more than like three years. Yeah. I mean, maybe it would be a good product to do a dashboard that integrates with, you know, all the different HR platforms and 401k platforms and just shows you what your total 401k balance is, right? Like that could be a good product idea. There's probably a lot of, a lot of stuff still, there's probably a lot of innovation that can still happen in this employee benefit space, right? Because again, it just takes a lot of education and, and bullshit and jumping through hoops to really access like these things. And I just think there, yeah, again, like a lot of education, like I hired financial advisors and like they weren't really focused on the benefit side, but they looked at Morning Brew's policies for me. They looked at all that stuff. It helped me explain stuff to me. 
Um, and, you know, uh, it helped a lot because I just, I like, what can I use an HSA on? You know what I mean? Like, how much is that going to deduct from my paycheck? Stuff like that. It's just, it's stuff that most people just don't really know. Well, the tough thing, too, is, like, when you join a new company, there's, like, a, like almost like a, a timeline that you have to adhere to. It's, like, you have to accept or, like, um, submit for, like, certain kind of benefits, and you have, like, two weeks to do it. And so it's, like, you know, you're being thrown in all this other bullshit when you start a new job. Like, the last thing you want to do is, like, read really technical shit related to, like, your, your benefits. So, like, yeah. yeah, probably people, especially if this is, like, their first or second job out of college, probably miss out on a lot of that stuff. And it's, like, damn, like, you know, it's already, a, like, it, it would feel like a lot of, like, loss aversion. It's, like, well, this is crazy. Like, this is free benefits that I could have tapped into and I, like, just didn't out of free, laziness or, free like, business, not knowing. Free business idea. Create, like, an LLM chatbot for a company. Program the chatbot to know everything about the company's benefits policies. And then... Just have the, and then employees can ask any question they ever need to figure out what they can expense and what they can't. Yeah. B2B I mean, business that's a, model. That's totally a cool idea. Totally, for sure. totally in line with the space. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Because it ingests, another, it knows everything about yeah. the policies. So nice. Yeah. No, I think it's a smart idea. Another kind of compelling product that he's building within this is around the employee stock purchase plan. So the way that this works is that you can essentially give up. Uh, or relinquish a certain percentage of your salary in exchange for purchasing a company's stock at a discount. So let's use Tesla for this example. Say, in theory, you could give up 15% of your salary, but you can get Tesla shares. Uh, you can get Tesla shares at a 15% discount, right? So um, you can kind of buy into the company, but it's great because there's a look-back period involved. So you can lock in at the lowest share price. And like, so if Tesla was selling at 340 earlier this year and now it's at 420, you can lock in at 340, which is super cool. And then ultimately you could sell that at like a much higher premium. And in theory, like in this, you know, equation, you could probably sell for like a 30, 40, 50 K profit. So um, he's also introducing these kind of capabilities within Lentable. So again, it's going to be a full suite product where yeah. like you can kind of take advantage of every single you know, 401k related benefit or like incentive within, you know, the specific niche of the employee benefits program. Yeah. You know, another reoccurring theme in all of this is like you talked about the competitors that he had or like people also approaching this. When Sheridan was telling us about like the competitors, both of them highly capitalized, like Stanford founders or like very like on paper, really talented people or really educated. They're both defunct. And so, you know, it's like one of those reaffirming things that like just because someone may have like some crazy cool background and they have like, you know, maybe a lot of capital at their disposal, like as long as you stay scrappy um, and you're willing to just like outwork and like really just use as much grit as possible, you can still beat them. Um, and like also at the same time, like there's probably a lot of shiny objects this is like also a reoccurring theme in the show where you know again like us chatting right now we've already found several different use cases for how you can tackle benefits yeah. and like i think that is probably uh like an under noticed like weakness of being a really talented or smart person because you're trying to do too many different things all at once it's like oh there's an opportunity oh there's an opportunity i need to jump on this like we need to get ahead of that and that ultimately ends up being like at your own demise or like at your own downfall. So stay focused, 
be like very intent thinking along you know time horizon and you know give it the best you can and like see what comes out of that i would say that's kind of like my my two cents takeaways for for sheridan claiborne and, and the folks at lend table well i think that was an awesome way to wrap it up uh thank you everybody for listening to another episode of our future podcast make sure to subscribe if you're watching on youtube or on apple podcasts and spotify we'll be with you next wednesday appreciate you everybody peace Stay frosty.